We're going to talk today about uh, love reawakened. Love reawakened. It, Melody, I listened to her message a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, and uh, everybody should listen to that. It's online, and so you should listen to that. She talked about love, and the greatest, Jesus said this. He said, the world's going to know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. So before I start, I'm just going to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 in different translations. The first one is New King James Version. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. The Passion says, above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another, for love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. And the Amplified, above all things... Have intense and unfailing love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. It forgives and disregards the offenses of others. Then the Living Bible. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love makes up for many of your faults. Yeah, we all have faults. Love makes up for it. Love makes you look good. Love makes you look good. And some of us need all the help we can get. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But uh, I want to talk to you today about reawakening that love. Reawaken love, you know. I know if you've been married, I, I read a statistic one time, it's around five or six years after you've been married, that uh, there's uh, statistics say that there's a lot of uh, problems that usually stir up. And a lot of people will get divorced in that five or six year period. And um, after you've been married, for, you know, when you first get married, everything's new. And, uh, but after a few years, you just start seeing their faults more, their weaknesses more. They're like magnified. And uh, I was thinking, thinking about this and how... You know, we've been married, it'll be 33 years this year. And um, I know there's been times in my life that I would just absolutely adore Melody, and I thought she was, would be so great. And then there's other times, not so much. And I have looked over the years, and you know what was different? I would always think that, you know, she would falter in the way that she treats me or she would do this or she would do that. You know what the issue was? How I saw her. You can look at your spouse and all of a sudden they're still doing good things. They still do good things, but how you see them is through a lens. You know, if you put uh, uh, a big red strong lens over your eyes, everything that you look at is going to be a red tint no matter what. No matter what the sun's doing, no matter the circumstances, no matter what, there's going to be a red tint to everything you see. A lot of times when we look at our spouse, at our friends, and you have that red tint, no matter what's going on, you're going to see them through your eyes. What you see is a red tint. And a lot of times it's they can do something and, you know, and it would just be so irritating to you. And it's just something little. I mean, you've all probably seen this. I'm sure you haven't done it, but you've seen this in other couples that, that you're having dinner with. And one of them will start telling the story and said, yeah, you know, it, back at March the 
first, you know, or uh, that Tuesday. No, it wasn't a Tuesday. It, it was Wednesday. Remember, it's Wednesday. No, it was a Tuesday. And then here you are sitting across from them, and they're facing each other, and they're going, if it's Tuesday, no, it was Wednesday. And you just think, we really don't care what day it is, just so you know. But it, it's an argument, and the vein pops out, and you just think, really, we're going there. Here we go. We're just riding down. So we just look at each other and go, hmm, nice salad. How's your salad? People will argue over the stupidest things, you know, like, really? I mean, how they, I've heard arguments of, you know, you just walk funny. You just walk funny. What, what does that mean? You walk funny. I mean, an ostrich or how do you walk? I mean, people are just funny how they'll start, you know, I've walked the same all of our relationships. And all of a sudden, now I walk funny. People can just get weird. And this is what the Lord reminded me, that it's our responsibility to reawaken the love that you have for your spouse. It's up to us to reawaken our love for our friends. You know, there's some friends I may not talk to. I have friends I haven't talked to. And when they call or they may live clear across the country, and when we contact, it's just like where we pick up. Man, it's just great. But other friends that live clear across the country, uh, not so much. And, and part of it could be my fault, their fault of how they something happened or something, and they perceive something, and it just, dwind, the friendship dwindles. It takes looking at people's good points. It takes being positive about relationships. I think of Pueblo. I mean, last week it was 85 degrees where I was at. I was putting sunblock on at the beach so I wouldn't glow in the dark today for you. And lo and behold, it's snowing today. And I'm just thinking, you know, that's one thing bad about Pueblo. I love Pueblo, but you know when it seems everybody's ready for warm weather, it teases you. Doesn't it tease you? I heard last week when I was gone, it was 70 degrees, like for three days, you know. It just teases you. It's just like, oh, warm weather's here. Just kidding. Just kidding. It does that every year. I don't know why we think something's weird. It does it every year, ladies and gentlemen, every single year. Every year. And we get so shocked and so surprised. Can you believe this weather? Yeah, I can. (laughs) Isn't it just the craziest thing? No, it's not crazy if it happens every year. If it happened every 20, 30 years, it would be crazy. Not so much when it happens every single year. But you can focus on that, and you could just start getting an attitude towards Pueblo. It's the most stupid city I've ever lived in in my life. It's just stupid. This is just dumb. This is just stupid. And you can start focusing on that. You can focus on some of the crazy things that are happening in Pueblo. There's all, you can find something negative. And if you do, and if you concentrate on that long enough, you will start to dislike our city. It's the same way with your spouse. It's the same way with your friends. People, you know, don't just wake up some morning and go, I think I'm going to have an affair today. Yep, I I think that's what I'm going to do. To the best of my knowledge of talking with people, that never, it wasn't just like, I was so shocked that one day I woke up into an affair. You know, I was just shocked. No, no. You started looking negatively towards your spouse, and everything became negative, 
And then somebody good looking, somebody cute, somebody fill in the blank, started being sweet, started being nice, and you started going down that road. I just know God wants us, he wants to help us so bad. A lot of people just think God is against us and he doesn't want us to sin. No. The reason the Bible says God hates divorce is not because of two people getting a divorce. It's because of what happens in the midst of that. And because if you do, or if you have got divorced, you're not scratched off and God goes, okay, I'm done with you. No. God still loves you the same. He'll still work with you the same, and he will still have a future that's bright for you. No matter what anybody says. No matter what anybody says. God has a bright future for people who are divorced. He has a future that will cause you to think that, man, it just seemed like, and it may even be your fault that you divorce. You know, you can't just, you know, I like the phrase, you can't unscramble scrambled eggs. You can't just go, oh, this is a scrambled egg. Let's try to make it whole. No, you can't. What do you do? You know, the blood of Jesus forgives us. You just need, and repent means this, not only that you're sorry, but you have a different mindset. Repent's one of the most strongest words in the Bible. It means you think differently now. You're not just sorry. You know, most Christians think that repent just means you're sorry. Sorry will not get you to the next level. Just saying, God, forgive me, and you're crying, you're so, please forgive me. That doesn't take you to the next level. No, but changing the way that you think when you were sinning, that now you're going to think differently, now you're ready to go to the next level. God wants us all to repent or to Think differently. And we have to think differently about our spouse. We have to think differently about our friends. Another thing that we need to be reawakened with is for God. For the word of God, for the Bible, and for God himself. You know, I know it's easy. I've been a pastor for many years now. I've been following God for many, many years. I've been in full-time ministry over 30 years. Over 30 years. And there's been times when my passion for God dwindled. And there's been times when I've been on fire. And then there's been times that it was good and not so good or whatever. And did you know that has nothing to do with God pouring out his spirit more upon my life or anointing me more? It's based upon what I do. Now, let me just clarify something. No matter what you do, God's love for you is going to be constant. You cannot become any more righteous. You cannot become any more in God's favor than you are today. You will be just as righteous in heaven as you are today. You will. But the passion is up to me. The passion is up to me. What you give yourself to, that's what you become passionate about. What you behold. I love football. NFL. I don't care so much about college or anything else, but I love the NFL. You know why I love the NFL? Because I give myself to it. I watch it. There was a time there when they were acting stupid and I quit watching it. But, uh, you know, I just watch it. Because, I mean, I just love it because I watch it. I love the excitement of this last playoff season was the most exciting playoff season in my lifetime. I mean, every playoff game came down to the to the wire and it was just passionate i mean i'm in you know the broncos were not even they didn't even smell like victoria so they're you know I, okay i digress but anyway i enjoyed it but it's because i gave to it there was a time i went to a football game uh 
uh, husband and wife, they had a boy that was in playing football. And so I went to it, and it was just a calm lady. This, she was just coming. If you would have looked at her, you would have never known her. I didn't even know she liked football. But she had a son uh, that went to county high school that uh, I didn't realize how much she was into football. If you had had a conversation with her in church, she's just calm, meek, mild, very, very shy and mild. So I'm going to this football game. We're sitting, I'm sitting right next to her and her husband and her son's out there. And all of a sudden, the game was getting intense. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of the game, it was just a... You know, they were getting ready to hike it, and so it was quiet and everything. She jumps to her feet, and she yells at her son's name and says, Hit somebody! With her fist and everything clenched in this face. And I'm looking at her, and I go, Who is this woman who goes to my church? She just turned into another woman. You know, I mean, like her vein popped out, and she had this angry, and she was telling her son, Hit somebody! Don't just You better hit somebody! The father was sitting down. I'm sitting down. She sat back down, and we all just kept looking forward. <laughs> but, you know, I thought, what, 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 what just happened? She became passionate. She was beholding. You know, there's some mothers that would stay at home and not watch the game. Did Was the game good? Oh, that's so nice. I'm so glad you had a good time. And then there's something. When you give yourself to something... You become passionate about that. You become passionate about that. God doesn't want us to become passionate about him because he needs it. God doesn't want us to become passionate about him because it opens the doors for him to bless bless us. No, we've already been blessed. Listen to me now. 1 Peter 2, 3 says he's given us everything deposited inside of us. So he's not wanting us, listen, you need to be passionate about me. Come on, be passionate. He wants us to be passionate for your and my sake, not for his. Listen to me. You know, because I preach grace here, a lot of people think, oh, grace, I don't have to do anything. I don't. And you don't to get God to, to love you, to get God to bless you. You don't. But you do have to do something to get the passion and things reawakening stirred up so that you have a tendency to believe God now. You receive because you believe. You don't receive because of grace. You receive because you believe in the grace that's been deposited in you. So there is something for you and I to do. You can't just sit there, well, I'm a grace person. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. I give not just to get... You know, people think, well, I give to get God to move. I give because I know God is moving in my life. I want to be a blesser because I know I'm blessed. No matter what my checkbook says, I do it. I want to be helpful to people because I know Christ in me, the hope of glory. He wants people to be helped, and he will use me if I give myself to be used by God. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not. And so I just, I thought, man, I want to reawaken myself. And man, maybe you are passionate about God. But let me just say this. You can never be overly, you can't OD on this. You can't. So how, you know, there's a lot of people, and passionate about his word. 
You know, there's so much junk on the internet that says, you know, the word has got so many faults in it. And there's some ministers that people that I appreciate and they'll sit there and go, well, you know, it's, it, the word isn't that because look at this. It's got this uh, fault and it's I, I can't explain all of that, but I do know one thing. You and I need to have a passion for the word of God. You do, period. Don't let anybody try to talk that out of you. Don't try, because if you watch and start beholding that, you are, you're passionate. This is what I've noticed. People who go take you down that road, your passion for the word uh, start getting weaker and weaker and mess you up. Don't listen. Listen to me. Don't listen to ministries or anybody on the Internet that tries to take you down that road. To not be passionate about God, not to be passionate about the church. You know, people just say, oh, the church isn't that important. The church is just where you're at, and that's true. But also, it says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. There's a reason. It's not because God needs it. It's because he knows what you and I need. And I don't even have all the answers of why we need to get together. But I do know this, that it causes us to be stirred up to do good works, to do, have passion for God. It does. I know that. Like I said, there's times all of us, we go like, eh, you, may, you may be sitting there and think, I haven't been that passionate about God. That's okay. The first thing is, do you want to be? There's people that live their whole life, they're saved, and they went to heaven, and they were probably most of their life, they weren't passionate about God. When they get to heaven, God's not going to give them an the eyebrow look, the angry eyebrow look. What was your problem? He's not. The reason, though, that I believe that you need to be passionate about the word, passionate about God, is because you are going to be in positions in this life where you cannot get yourself out of. And I just know when you're passionate, man, you could, you're, your back can be up against the Red Sea. When you're passionate about God, you will have no fear because you will know that God's going to open up this Red Sea for me. But if you don't have that passion, you will doubt. You'll not be able to trust God. Listen to me. You will not be able to trust God, even though it's not God who says, I'm not going to open it for you. God has never done that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God never does say that somebody comes up for healing. He goes, no, I'm not healing you because you've been too bad or you've been this. No, I'm not going to bless you. No, no, his promises are yes and amen always. But they're yes and amen when you believe that they're yes and amen. And if you feel like, I just don't think that much about God. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen people, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to put everybody in the box who haven't had any passion about God. And they get in super big trouble and they cry out, God, help me. Guess what happens? He helps them. At least they know who to cry out to. They know who to cry out to. God is not going to say, man, you haven't talked to me in forever, and now you're in trouble. You want to talk to me? That's not, that would be your attitude and mine, but that's never been God's attitude. He will always, always have an open ear to you. Always, I said. He will always have an open ear to you. You can't go too far. The prodigal son is the greatest story. It's the greatest story. How the son took all of the wealth took all of his blessings, ran off, lived with the harlots, lived at, uh, in the world, 
And he says, man, I'm going to go home and be a my servant of my father. His servants eat better and sleep better than I do. And he's going to come home and be a servant. And it's the only time, the only time in Scripture that the Bible says that God, it's a picture of God. He ran to the son. He didn't wait for him to come. He ran to him. That's the mercy and the grace of God. And he does that for all of his kids. But listen to me. We need to reawaken our love for God. We need to reawaken our love for the word. You need to reawaken your, your love for your spouse, for your friends and relationships, for church. Reawaken it. I know there's some people think it just, I just feel like sometimes church can be boring. I don't really know how since I'm speaking, but I mean, maybe it's possible. <laughs> it's a joke. But anyway, this is the thing. I've told God, man, God, you know, reading the Bible is just boring to me right now. You might as well be honest. It's not like when you say it, he goes, what? Really? I think he knew. I mean, no, he, he knows everything. Even if you don't voice it with your mouth, he knows that you think church is boring. I don't like going to church. I don't like reading the Bible. I don't like praying. I don't like anything to do with God. Just talk to him like that. He's not touchy. You know, you got some friends, you got to be careful how you talk to them and say and act. Man, I hate that. I just like being myself. And maybe that's why sometimes I do offend people because I'm just myself. And, the, you know, they, get, they want me to act like a preacher. I don't know what that is. But anyway, I know when I say, God, it just seems like you're boring. But I know you're not. Would you? Help me to have my eyes opened up to that. Help me to open up my eyes to know that. It's just like I said, if you look at your spouse as that they're boring, our relationship's boring, you can ask God, God, I know that's, help me to have my eyes opened up to them. Reawaken the love that I need for them. I know you want me to be passionately, I believe you can be passionately in love with your spouse if you've been married 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 70 years. Well, you name it. I believe you can be more in love then than you were the day you said I do. You can. And yet we are waiting on the other, our, part, our spouse changing so that we can accept them, so that we can be more in love with them. And I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. You need to see differently. Yeah, but you just don't know who I'm married to. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you don't walk on water either. We just need to have a reawakening. Have a reawakening. A reawakening. This is what God says in Romans 5.5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Where's the love of God? It's in you. It's been poured in our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The Bible says faith works by love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says now there's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest. It's greater than faith. Why? Because Galatians 5, 6 says faith works by love. Faith works by love. So it's knowing that God loves you no matter what. No matter what you've done, the luck, God is always just mad. When you wake up in the morning, he goes, I'm so glad you're awake. I couldn't wait to just see your eyes pop open. I love you so much. 
He thinks that way to you, about you every day of your life. He thinks that way about you every day of your life. Man, what a friend. What a father who thinks that way about you. And if you have a revelation of that, a lot of you say, yeah, I know it. But you don't have a revelation of it. If we would have a greater revelation of how much God loves us, you would be able to. Tr- you can only trust somebody that you love and have a relationship with, number one. And then you can believe them because you can trust them. You can believe them because you trust them. And so Ephesians 1.18 says, The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, and the saints. So you need to know what's in you. Not only the love of God, but you need to know that God has great expectation of you. He has great expectation for your spouse. He has great expectation for your friends, for the word, for the church. I'll close with this one passage of Scripture, Ephesians 3.16. You need to pray this over your life. That he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. That I would be rooted and grounded in love. That I may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that... You, or you could say, I would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think according to the riches, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. So what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height? It's you. A lot of times I prayed this. The Lord opened up my eyes to this scripture this week because I said, Lord, I want to see your love, the width of that love, the depth of your love, the height of that love. And God says, Mike, that's good, but I want you to see yourself in the width, the depth, and the height, and the breadth. I want you to see yourself in the expanse of God's goodness, of how good you are, how great you are, and what I've deposited inside of you. God wants you to see the length, the breadth, and depth of the height of your spouse. There's more to them than meets the eye. You've heard that expression? That's what it is. Not only about your spouse, but it's more than meets the eye than you. You're more than what you think you are. You are more than what you think you are. Your spouse is more than what you think they are. Your friends and relationships, they're more than what you think they are. Church, the Word of God, God Himself, everything. It's more than what you think. It's more than what you think. So know that because of the length, the breadth, and the depth, and the height, there's more to you than what you think. There's more to God than what you think. It's not just a religious square. He wants us to see all of the goodness. Amen.